I'm in the camp that sales is a strategy and not a skill set. So when I think about driving growth at any part of the funnel, whether it's more obviously pre-sales, but also post-sales expansion adoption. It's really all just about helping the right customer. And when I say the term customer, I also mean pre-sale customers in that. For me, everyone's a customer, whether or not they bought or not. So helping the right customer solve the right problem in the right way at the right time. So maybe that problem is I need to find more information about how to do my job better. And that would be content or like videos or like best practices or things like that. And that is helping them solve the right problem that is like relevant to the ecosystem of your product at the right time. Maybe it's how do I apply this product to achieve this value proposition that I was that I bought into during the buying process. That would be like more on the customer success side of okay, we're in the product now. I need to apply the product to achieve this desired business goal. So that is that would be solving the right problem at the right time for the right customer. Pretty much all of my operational theories and or like structures or methodologies or everything that I do is built around that concept. It's a little bit more holistically, like less about what sales does or support does or what success does or what marketing does. And it's a little bit more customer centric Um, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're like a product led growth company or a sales led growth company or marketing driven or whatever. Like at the end of the day, the only thing that's driving revenue is the customer buying your product. So (laughs) like, it's all about what will a customer find valuable in this moment? How do we consistently deliver it? Hey team, I want you to meet Mo McKibben, head of customer support and success at Moxian. Mo, what are three ways your team converts your market into revenue? So as far as like putting this into three bullet points, I would say just investment in customer experience has contributed mostly to any sort of growth of businesses that I've you know, had the joy of creating processes and operations for. And that usually works not only just by achieving incredibly high conversion rates, um, because I I try to create approaches that are really tailored towards exact delivering that right experience, that right information to solve the right problem at the right time. But also word of mouth, because obviously, and like loyalty and advocacy and expansion. So I would say... I'm not, I have no insights in the top of funnel or like demand gen sort of world, like as much as it is all about like nurture, conversion, solving problems, and then delivering a great experience that then causes word of mouth, loyalty, and expansion. And so the way that we do that from a tactical sense is we create operational segmentation to facilitate scalable personalization. Now that is like a lot of buzzwords. (laughs) So essentially I'm like, I really like to, I really like to take things apart and organize things, essentially finding what uh, I like to organize my customers by operational segments, lifecycle segments, and personalization segments. And so operational segments has to do with the amount of touch that a customer requires. So really common would be the difference between what is a low complexity self-serve customer versus a high complexity enterprise customer are probably the two ways to think about that. Then personalization segments is what is this customer's 
desired outcome use case. A good example for a tool that like everybody uses because it's like the OG project management tool is take something like Trello. The way, if you're using Trello as a software company, you're using it very differently than if you're an event planner. And personalization segments are a little bit like, what are the common goals that our customers are using these products for? And how do we create paths for them with enablement, with videos, with what we introduce them at the right time that are actually aligned with their goals? And so there's like a self-serve version of that, but then there's also a high-touch version of that where it's more like coaching and consulting to get enterprises on the right path or change management within that. So that I think that was just like a big one. <laughs> so, so anyway, the second part of this is after you break apart your operational segments, it's optimizing that both for digital and human touch. So I am in the mindset that you actually need both because you have to help customers the way they want to be helped. And some customers like prefer self-service and want to do all of that exploration on their own and they want to get information and they don't want to talk to anyone unless they absolutely have to. I'm a buyer like that. So the only time I've ever bought something that required me to get on a phone or in some in person was my house. Like that's it. Like, um, but some people also really need it. Like some people really need that extra help. I've equated it before as what is a better experience if you're in a hardware store? Is it somewhere where everything's really well outlined so that you know exactly where to go and what to pick up for what you need for your hardware project? Or is it something where someone greets you at the door and they ask you about your project and they give you consultative advice on what to do and how to pick things up. And the truth is actually both are great experiences depending on the customer. Like if I am a seasoned person who knows what they're doing and I want to get up and running right away, like I want to just get in, get out, self-checkout, make it as seamless as possible. If I am starting a project on my bathroom and I have no idea where to get started, I want to talk to someone and make sure I don't screw anything up. So operational pathways based off of that segmentation, that's what it's trying to facilitate to create both a self-serve pass and so you can actually optimize the times that human touch is valuable and has an ROI because everything else is automated. So it's not one or the other. It's that they have to both work in tandem in order to work successfully and scalably. And then the third is then once these operational systems are in place, I think the most important part of this puzzle is actually building feedback loops between the customer and the business. And so by that, between the voice of the customer and product, the voice of the customer and marketing, the voice or growth or whatever, however you're calling it, the voice of the customer and engineering, all of these arms of the business that have some sort of customer impact, building these feedback loops is essentially the investment in customer experience that causes customers to feel listened to. It makes it more like a relationship. You're, from a product standpoint, you're building the right product for the right customer. If you can facilitate these feedback loops in a way that you can quantify and understand what customers want the most, like essentially the impact it would be on the business, 
From a growth and marketing standpoint, if you are building these feedback loops between what the customers uh, actually saying they find valuable, it makes it easier to then deliver to like the top of funnel demand gen people that it's, oh, these are what we should be saying our value props are, because this is how we're going to attract more successful customers. And then obviously the most common for like on the support like side of things or success side of things is engineering because like most people equate it with technical support. But I think the thing that I do that's weird is that I think of it as feedback loops throughout the whole business, not just on the technical side. What are two hard problems that you recently overcame? Okay. So I'm going to be a bit vulnerable <laughs> in that I constantly feel there's like just, it's like little battles all the time that are like, did I actually win this or solve this? Or is it <laughs> like, it's just like a series of like mini bosses <laughs> like you are keep like advancing through the temples and like eventually so I, I, I to, to be completely vulnerable I don't know if I have ever solved any problems but I keep I, I, I do win tiny battles sometimes <laughs> and that, that is enough for me <laughs> I have to say and I think a lot of customer success le leaders and support leaders will resonate with this is building customer centric operational models. A lot of companies pay like lip service to the value of it, but when it comes down to it, their decision-making processes are actually still quite a bit top-down or hierarchical or no, that's for product to research or no, this is for marketing to figure out and then tell you and create kind of these top down approaches. And in order for the models that I usually create operational systems to be successful, it's actually all about the middle out. So it's all about aggregating feedback from the customer and just facilitating these feedback loops between these departments and the customer and all of these things. And I think because both customer success, customer success is a really like misunderstood discipline to the point where I, I think even people in customer success don't all understand customer success. So I just call myself customer success because it's the closest thing to what I do. But so I can share how I define it, which is I just... I don't really think of customer success as a team or a department or anything like that. I think of it as what makes our customers successful using the product and what is the easiest, most effortless, frictionless way to get them there. And then building operational processes that has those two goals in mind, which is a whole team company is a whole company sport. And it's not something that like it. And so when I think of what a head of customer success is, it's the owner of that feedback loop and the processes and the cross collaboration that comes into place. When you have teams and people and other leadership, cross-functional leaderships that are used to working in more um, traditional top-down decision-making and siloed departments, it becomes a little bit like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, this is my job. Don't tell me. It, it becomes like a really tricky territory to navigate. And it, it can be especially challenging if you don't have buy-in from like C-level, like if you don't have buy-in from like the CEO and, and it's not, you're not getting like champions. So 
I will say that that is probably, that's one of those things where it's just, oh, I, I always get like baby steps. And like, it's always funny because it's I, there's always some leadership that's like, so, this is so cool. This I'm so on board. Please meet with me. Let, like, let's, let's get your fee- team's feedback. What are the customers saying? And like, totally want to. And some are just like, this is not your place. So like, it's, it's always when trying to just like relationally navigate those. Uh, I think that's like probably the biggest challenge for everybody in customer success, just because people just don't know how to deal with this team. Cause some people just think like it's a glorified support team or account management team. And then they're treated as such. And it's yeah. If you treat a team, if you treat a support team, like it's a cost center, it's going to become a cost center. Or if you treat account management, like all it is, is just like upsells and you're not actually going to get value out of the insights, the, the customer insights and the relationships and the ability to fill those feedback loops is the thing that is valuable. So about, about the role. And so, yeah, so it's, I, I think as, as far as overcoming challenges, that's one of the challenges that I feel like I'm constantly navigating, but, and the way I think I, so I, I originally was like an, an actor and a comedian. And I always think about the Steve Martin quote, that's just be so good. They can't ignore you. That's essentially the strategy that I try to take place is like, okay, I'm just going to keep showing how valuable this feedback is and how much the customers are buying more and using more and sharing more. And it's essentially the way to overcome that organizational tension. It's it's hard because I feel like people who gravitate towards support and success are not usually, they're usually highly empathetic, which means they're not usually like toot your own horn types of people. But so like, I find that the best way to overcome that is to be a cheerleader for like the department and the work and the success. And you have to say it over and over again and get people on board. And then eventually people are like, oh yes, this is valuable or, oh yes. Okay. Like we will, you, you will get a seat on the table, but it can be, it can definitely be a slog because of those. It's, we're talking about like decades of business structures and uh, people's NBAs on operations and like how, like, it's just, but the truth is, is we live in this totally new ecosystem and landscape of business that we can't actually apply by the same rules because the, the way people buy is changing. The way we sell is changing. The way products help businesses is cha- everything's changing. So we, if we stuck to the, stick to the old models, we're not going to actually have any success. The other challenge though, this one, I really do feel like I really overcame and it's great is so I was just a startup and I am still, I still there, but we were required. So it's not really a startup anymore. And where I literally built the entire customer operational process from scratch, including, and it was like taking it out of 1996, like their sales process was they wanted them to call a sales number to a very specific only per sales person to take these calls and like also didn't want like videos or like anything that because it's oh like our competitors could steal our, our information it was just like a really old-fashioned sales process so i 
And oh, the other thing is too, is they also treated all customers the same. The Maxian platform, it's a full production workflow platform for Hollywood productions and studios. Batman was on Moxian, Jurassic World's on Moxian, like really major productions, but also major studios. And so in the beginning, I wouldn't say they were treating everyone the same, but like definitely there was like a difference in attention that they would give like a production Batman versus a production, I don't know, some documentary on Netflix. There was some difference in touch, but it wasn't operationalized at all. When I started talking to customers and identifying basically the operational segments, it was revealed there's actually two entirely different customer types that we're treating as the same. So like we have a studio customer type that has, that uses the product in a totally different way than the production customer type. So we were onboarding studios the same way we were onboarding productions. And they're a totally different set of needs, set of complexity. The way they utilize the product is completely different. Everything is different for these two types of customers. And yet they're really intrinsically linked because the studios are actually who give you the productions. So it ended up being like discovering that, oh, actually what you have here is like almost like channel marketing or a franchisee type relationship where it's like you have the studio and then they give you productions. And so then there's a production buyer and a studio buyer. They're inextricably linked, but they're actually two totally different customers that require totally different operational processes and amounts of touch. So once we tease that out, it honestly made everything like super smooth sailing because it was just like, oh, now I know how to structure my team. I'm going to hire a studio success person. That's going to be like my high touch CSM. They're going to take care of the studios. Production success is going to be my velocity success team. They're going to be a little bit more like support driven growth methodology and do everything like full life cycle. Now we know exactly how to direct customers like into the right path so that we can get them up and running right away. And so it's not just like handling every single person, like they are a a special case. Um, So I think that was a pretty notable challenge that had been overcome. So yeah, so those are that, those are my, I don't know if those are three hard problems. They're like tons of hard problems. (laughs) What is a roadblock that you're working on now? As far as a roadblock, I do have one major roadblock instead of three. And it's, it is actually, again, to be in a state of vulnerability, I don't know. I don't know how I am going to survive this. Like, I don't know. Like, um, so we were recently, but maybe talking about it will at least help other people who are in similar situations. I don't know, like, I don't come find me and be my support group, or maybe just get a brain trust like together. And we can, cause this has to, this has got to be one of the most common problems in for startups is we were acquired. And so we were recently acquired. So I've gone from someone who had a, a lot of autonomy on things like operations and toolings and systems. And obviously I'm very passionate about it and have very strong opinions and they work really well. Like we like forexed our growth in a year and a half just from switching our operational processes. <laughs> like it was just, I wouldn't say just from that, but we don't do any, we actually don't have any top of funnel marketing, like not a sink, no demand gen, 
no top of funnel marketing. Everything was expansion, loyalty, and a word of mouth. Every single thing. There's and so I, I think that's pretty remarkable. And also we deal with the Fortune 10 company. Our customers are like Amazon, Disney, Apple, Netflix. Like it's I think it's pretty mar- remarkable for not having any go-to market except for like our like basically our customer success team. <laughs> So, and like a a CEO who's like really like charismatic and like a great salesperson in his own, (laughs) like that's it. That's like what our go-to-market team is. So anyway, so I, I don't, so it's constantly like what you're doing, like the, what I'm hearing is what you're doing is so cool. It's really impressive what you did. It's not how we operated on a desk. So how, how do we break these things apart and move them into Autodesk processes? And again, this is what I was talking about with the siloed approaches or like top-down stuff. It's like, the point is you can't actually do it. It's a totally different way of operating. And we can either stop operating that way and just operate in your way, but it's going to be a complete organizational overhaul. Um, so I, I just, they're leaving us be for a year, but after that it's, they, they need to start integrating us. And so it's just like seeing this tsunami of change coming and you can't fight the tsunami. That's not an option. Like you will, uh, you'll lose. It's 1100 person co- or 11,000 person company. That's not, I'm not stupid, <laughs> but it's like, do I run or do I surf? I don't know what, I don't know what the right one is. I'm not particularly great at surfing in real life. It all like I've done it. I enjoy it. But the exhilaration from it comes from, oh my God, I didn't die today. So that's like kind of the major thing. It's honestly like it's taking so much of my energy because I like oscillate between, oh, this is a really cool opportunity for like change management in an organization and like understanding how these pieces fit. And then it's also, or it's, or I go to, I just need to tear apart like something that I just gave birth to that I'm really proud of and give pieces away to different departments. So that's my biggest roadblock. (laughs) What are three mental models that you use to do your best work? Yeah. So it's so funny because we talked about this a little bit in the the initial conversation about, I don't really think about things in terms of mental models, but then I saw one of your LinkedIn posts about like other people's mental models. And I was like, Ooh, I think I can like at least package one into something cute. So I call it, I'm calling it the home edit model. So I don't know if you watch the home edit. I, I think I mentioned before, I love organ, organization. And in general, I'm like a, a relatively organized person when it comes to my house. And I just uh, I really love systems that work. And <laughs> it just eliminates kind of chaos from it's like if you don't have to think about stuff that doesn't matter you have so much more space to think about the stuff that does matter and so it's it, it just I my I, I love my parents but they were both very disorganized people 
And so I, I feel like I grew up in this very disorganized environment and I had a really hard time navigating it when I was a kid. And so now as an adult, I'm just like, systems for everything. So the home edit is an organizational show on Netflix and they like they're essentially their step one is just like, take everything out of the pantry or take everything out of the closet. Like just take everything down. And I do this like in my physical space. And I do this also in my like intellectual space or in, in work. So it's just like, when I start the operational process of the company, I'm just like, give me all the customer data that you have out of help or out of yeah, help scout or Salesforce or HubSpot, whatever, like all of the customer data, all of the processes, like all of everything. And then I just lay it out in a huge matrix and put everything in like little piles of what roles are we talking? Who are the buying roles? What are the use cases people are using things for? What is how, like, how are they using this? What are like essentially taking everything that might be on like an ideal customer profile type of thing and just taking all the data and just organizing it into piles. So from then that's where I get my operational segments and my personalization segments. And then from there, it becomes talking to customers and that's where I get my customer journey. So then I start to map trends among those customers in terms of how they do things, what they're doing, what their goals are. And then I line it up with these like organizational piles until we create a system out of them. And then that, so I guess I'm calling it the home edit. (laughs) So the other two is, so then this is where I started actually looking at existing mental models. And I was like, oh yeah, I do do that. Like, so as far as another one I utilize a lot is inversion. And especially when it comes to customer success, this, I think is a super relevant is like, who are our most successful customers? And then how do we take, take what they're using things for, what they find valuable and like what's happening right now. That's like really working. And then how do we throw that up the funnel so that we can have more information or demos or um, videos or things that then reflect all of those to, to basically attract the right type of customer. So just taking everything from what is, instead of, again, instead of like top, top down thinking, thinking, okay, these customers are successful. How do we get there? How do we get more of them? How do we do that? So I, I utilize that technique a lot or mental model a lot. And then the other thing uh, I do very frequently, which I'm not sure is a mental model, but I, I did look up mental models and one of them was called circle of competence. And this is definitely a way I operate is, I think I like, I don't know, I am just an super old soul that must've just come from uh, when we were just egalitarian wandering humans like that. <laughs> so I just love working collaboratively with people on things. So when, just because I know that like, I have only, I have the piece of the puzzle that I have, but then there's other people who have pieces of puzzles and experiences that I don't have. So essentially what I'll try to do is get as much of a plan or a thought together on paper as possible, just because like, just so 
there's some sort of focus to the discussion, but then completely open it up to anyone that is involved to get feedback and point of view and like adjust. So I think sometimes it's funny because I have, sometimes people will see me bring together a document, which is literally just me throwing my thoughts on paper, just so I have an organized way of framing how I'm thinking. And some people will think that, oh, this was the, did you intend for this to be the finished product? And it's no, I intended this to be like the jumping off point for like other people to start like weighing in. And that's usually how I work with my individual team is think of what some problems are. I'll put some of my own thoughts on paper and then like just open it up to everybody just adding their thoughts. And sometimes we end up with something that's very different from what it started. And sometimes we don't. And sometimes it's just like a more fully fleshed out um, version. So yeah, I would just say collaboration and, and working with more minds. What are three techniques that other GTM teams need to try? People build healthy relationships when they feel like they're being listened to and like responded to and all of, and that they're like part of the relationship. So the way that we do this at Moxian and also did it at Help Scout was, and this is where like that support driven growth sort of methodology is we almost treat our support team almost like miniature customer researchers. So when feedback comes in, we have a series of questions that just to make sure that we're getting a heart at the problem that they're trying to solve as opposed to a specific feature request or things like that. And then we actually track and aggregate all of those trends internally and then bring them to product when we see the most, whatever the biggest trends are bubbling to the top. And then we, the way we segment those trends is by impact. So either it's like high value customers or high uh, volume customers. And, and the other thing that we do is we do have a differentiation between a feature request and a problem area. We actually call them hot potatoes, but like a problem area is probably a better way to think about it. Like a feature request is something that is like straight up yes, no. So for example, do you support um, Dolby Vision? Yes. Do you support like X? No, there's not more than way. There's not more than one way to peel a potato. Like it's like a yes or no answer. That's a feature request. And a problem area is one of those things where it's just Sometimes the customers ask for a feature the way they would solve a problem, but that might not be the best way to solve that problem. So if there's more than one way to peel a potato, it's a hot potato. So when we get hot potatoes, we try to identify like what they're trying to accomplish, what their end goal is, like what, how much pain it's causing them. And so therefore, when we can relay that to product, we can bring it in a way that is not like a poor way to solve the problem and they can actually think about how to solve that problem, but the problem still exists. So we have some really good operational systems in place where we aggregate these. I'm going to, obviously I'm a Help Scout fangirl for obvious reasons, but Help Scout Jira has like a really solid integration where you can log or link anything from Help Scout. But then on top of that, if it gets closed, in JIRA, 
it actually reopens and help scout. So it creates this really awesome thing where you can connect all of these issues to particular things on the roadmap. And then they, when they're either released or decided that they're not going to do it, it automatically opens up. So then you can immediately get back to the customer requesting. And so this is great for win back. Like this works for every sort of the side of the funnel, because like from a pre-sales perspective, if a customer is asking for something and they didn't buy because it's not released, it gets reopened immediately. We can reach back out and be like, oh, hey, this thing that you wanted, we have it now. Do you want to try again? And then also it when you have those types of tight feedback loops from the customer, then they really feel like they're being listened to. And those are actually the kinds of experiences that increase trust, advocacy, loyalty. I would say if you don't have tight feedback loops with your customers, like that's like step one customer experience that you got to put into place. And the best way to do it is with the places that your customers are delivering feedback, which is mostly sales and support conversations. Cause like only a very small amount are going to fill out feedbacks or like surveys or like things like that. And it's like important to have that stuff, but it is the, nobody's going to write a support asking for a question or delivering feedback and then also do a survey. Like that's, you so you have to aggregate the feedback exactly where your customers are getting it giving it otherwise otherwise you're just getting such a very limited sliver of who thinks what and it's, it's a, honestly like a pretty biased group of people that fills out surveys so that's one number 2 is obviously i spent a lot of time in the beginning talking about this but just to put a button on it operational segmentation by complexity and also operational segmentation by goal or use case. So I call them personalization segments versus operational segments. Also life cycle segments is also good to have, but that's more of like the overarching kind of where, what happens at what part of the process. That is how I believe it's possible to create really personalized experiences at scale because a lot of folks in customer success question the ROI or like a lot of folks question the ROI of customer success because they think of it as working individually with customers to identify their goals and how to get them there. But it's actually, and I think part of this has to do with like my weird background of coming from a bunch of startups. So I've worn a lot of hats. And so one of besides support and success and sales, I've also worn a product marketing hat there's actually like a beautiful marriage between customer success and product marketing that is like one can be related to the engagement and understanding of the customer's goals and and then product marketing can essentially scaleify it so and make that self-serve digital touch approach to it so it's i think they're two t- sides of the same coin but so essentially do the home edit technique, find your little operational segments, create those like sort of personalization pathways, and then create a digital version and use that digital version to also inform and enhance your high touch version. And that they both should be like best, they should be like best friends together. And then the third is related to two, and that is 
how you can use that segmentation to create paths to nudge customers along the next step in their buying and adoption journey in multiple different ways. So once you have these operational pathways outlined where you have, okay, so let's say you have, for, for Moxie and we have studio success, we have production success. But then on top of that's even layered where we have, especially production success, you could use it for a production, you could use it for post-production, you could use it for finishing, you could use it basically for different parts of the film production life cycle, which all have different ways of using the product and different goals and different, even sometimes different people are involved in those. And so when you find out what is the fair, their primary goal is, are they using it for remote camera to cloud for production? Are they using it for finishing review with color review? And like at the very end stages, once you find out their primary goal, which anyone can just do from like a drop down menu, it's like, it's not like brain surgery. It's just, just ask, what are you using Moxian for this? And okay, you have your answer. Like you don't know. Then making sure that their essentially self-serve enablement path follows what is what are all the activation points and what are all the value points and what are all the things that they need to hit to get on board as quickly as possible with that specific pathway. Some people think, oh, is the best way to do this in app? Is the best way to do this for email? Is the best way to do this like with human touch? And my answer to that is, that is with that is what should be determined with your operational segments is like what are the best like channels to do this but you probably should always do both email and an app because if you're just doing it in an app and they don't log in like you it doesn't really matter and then how much investment in terms of reaching out and making sure that they accomplish these mi- milestones and like putting meetings or, or things in place, like just should have to do with how complex the customer is and how much, how much ROI that they have at the end of the day. And those are my three techniques. What are three questions you love to ask and why? Three like questions that I love to ask customers is related to that. What we were talking about of what are you trying to accomplish? How are you currently doing this? And how much pain is this causing? And I feel like those three questions really, actually it works for your team too. Cause like essentially anytime someone comes to you a pro- with a problem, if you can get bot- to the bottom of, okay, what, is they, what are they trying to do? What is their goal? What are they trying to accomplish? How are they currently doing this in terms of what's not working or what are they trying to fix or what is like that? And then like, how big of a deal it is. I think that gives you so much insights into, okay, well, is this just somebody like venting in a moment because they're irritated with this one thing, but at the end of the day, they're like, it's actually not that big of a deal. (laughs) (laughs) And again, that works both for customers and your team because it's But also, I think so many people try to give help without actually really understanding, like, the core of a problem and what they're trying to do. And it's just, it seems so basic, but, like, I, I think it maybe comes from, like, 
thinking you have to help or thinking you have to know everything that like very frequently I see people like jumping in and trying to solve problems before they even actually really know what the problem is that they're trying to solve. So I think always stepping back and asking those questions is going to make sure that you're giving the actual right help to solve a problem. Who are two operators that should be our next guests and why? So first of all, I'm going to shout out this person because A, they just connected me with really cool people that I'm really excited to work for, but also him and I are on like so much of the same wavelength for how we think about customer experience and the relationship between customer experience and growth and like, like customer experience, customer success, growth, and that realm. And it's Jake Bartlett. I do believe he is like on tour with his band right now. He's a drummer, (laughs) but he really is also a go-to market customer experience leader. Um, The other person who is in the way that if you're looking for more of like my brain type of thinking, Mercer Smith, she is a huge customer experience superstar across all. She's just like the best, coolest human too. So definitely her. For people who love what you're saying, what should they go do next? Thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally did this. So there's actually a really awesome community. Okay. Cause like, it's so funny. Cause I feel like we're, there's like this hidden side of go-to market that is mostly customer experience and actually hiding and support in the shadows. <laughs> so there's like a support, a really awesome support community called support driven. It's a Slack community and they I've been in part of that community for like six years. I'm actually giving a, or uh, it's not really, I'm giving like a conference talk slash workshop in Portland in June that is through that community. But it's really like a holistic customer experience community in the sense of it's gathered around people who deliver support, but it also covers customer success. It also covers like, essentially it's just a group of people who loves to deliver amazing customer experiences. And so if there's, it's so funny because it's, I do find even in, just like everyone, everyone has so many opinions about everything. <laughs> like I find in support communities, there's definitely like support people who are like support should have nothing to do with revenue and blah, 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 blah. And then there's people that are like, no, actually like everyone needs to have a stake in revenue because like we're all building this business together and like support is actually like driving a lot of value. And when you cut that off and it becomes a cost that like, then it becomes a cost center. And like it, it, like then you do actually deliver terrible customer experience because it's not being resourced effectively because there's not like a tied revenue. So I love that community because there's like both sides of that in, in there in the support community, but then it's, yeah, it's just so funny how many people have all of these opinions about essentially whether or not support is part of go-to-market or not. (laughs) So, So yeah, so join the support driven community. Honestly, I am starting to work with another company at, in a consultative capacity that just actually had a really launched 
another really good Slack community, but it's more on the product marketing side. So if you are like, I would say like my realm of belief system is like in this weird, ambiguous, like sales support, success, and product marketing, like blob of things. So if you are resonating with what I say and you are more on the product marketing side of stuff, there's a product called Launch Notes. Launch Notes has a Slack community called Launch Awesome. And they there's some like pretty impressive product marketers in there. So like definitely looks like it's just starting to spin up, but it definitely looks like it's going to be a community that a lot of people are able to it, it looks like a good brain trust is gonna is happening there. Hopefully, if it has the same sort of momentum as support driven, I think it could be what support driven is for customer experience professionals. I think that could be for product marketing professionals, which is like another kind of unsung hero group of the go-to market team. And the last but not least is there's two, there's actually three books. One of them's not a support book, but it was, it's still like really influential to me and how I think about things and operate. I would say the three books that I recommend anyone to read who just wants to like think more about customer experience, especially like frictionless experiences or things like that. One of them, probably everyone's already read anyway, but I'm just going to say it, which is The Effortless Experience. That is essentially the crux of the whole methodology is built around the fact that people don't really care that much about delight when it comes to service. People care about frictionlessness and effortlessness. And so how to to curate the most effortless experience at any part of the funnel is going to drive more loyalty expansion than anything else. And then the other is the other two, one is also a customer experience book called Uncommon Service. And it, there's a whole bunch of good takeaways. One of, one of them is this it's okay to be really bad in some areas to be really good in others. At Maxine, we had no official sales and marketing, but like to really invest then in delivering like meaningful customer experience is what drove growth. And then the third is the extended mind. It's not a customer experience book, but it is all about how people learn and how people process information and how that is the traditional means of educating or learning are fundamentally broken with how people learn and process information. And as I said in the beginning, sales is really just about getting the right information to the right customers at the right, in the right way and at the right time. So I find that that book has really helped me think about integrated approaches to helping people learn. Because yeah, I think education is the new sales. And so if you're, there's all sorts of things in that, that at least from the enablement and product marketing perspective, just in terms of the importance of things like interactivity or community or like talk doing things versus showing things and also having multiple different types of mediums for people to consume and learn and how it's different for everyone. But so I think that really helped me expand 
how to help people in ways that they can adopt and absorb information. So that w- I would recommend that book to anyone. Hey team, what did you think about this? I'm Chris Morgan, host of the Market to Revenue podcast. Shoot me an email right now about what you thought about this episode. It's chris at markettorevenue.com. Talk to you in a moment.